Welcome to Personal Financial Strategy, the podcast, a podcast wholly devoted to you and your money, bringing expertise to bear on how you earn, invest, and spend your hard-earned cash. As usual, we'll be talking about getting your personal finances under control. But today, we're going to look more closely at the end result of getting our finances in order, which is freeing up capital to invest. To help us look at an exciting class of investments, I have invited John Austinson to join us. He is CEO of Frambridge Consulting and Capital, a company devoted to first surveying franchise opportunities, then aligning investors with top performing opportunities. Some of those investors will be actual operators. John, is that a fair description of what you're about? I've been called worse and described worse. And no, I think that's that's totally fair, Tony, and uh, excited to be here and look forward to our conversation. Thank, thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here, John. Um, I was, you know, in our pre-podcast correspondence, I was excited to uh, doubt that you're also a personal finance nerd. <laughs> and it's always nice to meet uh, someone in the tribe. So I appreciate that about you. And I, I, I am fascinated by a couple of things. I first heard you on another podcast. And to be transparent, I heard you on Entrepreneurs on Fire with John Lee Dumas. During that podcast, you talked some about the topic of franchising. And I was wondering if you, if you could delve into that about a little bit, because a lot of our listeners, this will be new. This will be new ground for them. So Absolutely. No, I, I love talking about franchising. It's what I get a chance to talk about uh, quite a bit. And, and so franchising, when you hear the word, oftentimes people think fast food. So uh, what they don't understand is there's 4,000 opportunities out there, 4,000 different brands roughly in the U.S. involved in franchising across a number of different industries and sectors that that people never have on their radar. And so I have a lot of fun getting out there and talking about what I call non-food franchising, which is all these other opportunities outside of fast food. And um, and, and I'll, I'll start by saying, I don't think there's ever been a bigger interest in franchising. I think coming out of COVID, more and more people want that sense of control and flexibility and freedom that comes through business ownership. Now, granted, nothing's easy, but they like the idea of trading their current challenges for maybe challenges uh, in, in which they control and they're building their own little empire. So uh, we do see just really an unprecedented level of interest out there, which is a lot of fun. It also makes it very competitive. Um, now, when I work with clients, I explain to them, you know, franchising is not for everybody. You know, there are definitely pros and cons like there are to everything. Um, however, the pros, in my humble view, outweigh the cons. You know, I just see franchising as um, you know, really you're going into business for yourself, but not by yourself. You've got that franchisor on the sideline. They're essentially a coach, you know, and, and the better you do, the better they do so that your interests are aligned. Um, you've got other franchisees around the country that, um, you know, maybe testing different marketing vehicles and trying new things. And you're able to learn from each other. Um, you've got a, obviously a playbook, you know, this isn't the first rodeo, you know, this is a business that's been proven out in similar type markets. And uh, while that's not a guarantee of success, it does give you a lot of confidence going in. You're, you really are starting on third base and not first base uh, out of the gate. Um, and finally, you're able to oftentimes have a good view of what the financial potential is uh, through what's called the item 19 within the FDD or franchise disclosure document. Every franchise system is regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. 
They're required to have what's called a franchise disclosure document, and it contains all the information you could ever want to know about a business. And so you're able to go in and really understand, you know, what the average revenue and margin is, let's say, across other locations. You're also able to talk to other franchisees um, about, you know, what their experience has been, the kind of support they've had, you know, how quickly their financial ramp up has been opening up the books. So you go in eyes wide open. Um, and ultimately, as you know, Tony, I mean, when you're a business owner, you're building cash flows. You're also building an asset in that business that one day you should have the ability to, to sell as long as you run it halfway decent. And as a business owner, you're able to write off expenses that you might not otherwise be able to if you just have a W-2 income. So I always remind my clients, I think of it in those three different buckets, I think may resonate with a lot of your listeners. It is fascinating. And, you know, we're, uh, you know, I, I listen to probably too many podcasts, but kind of reoccurring theme that I've heard lately is this claimed phenomenon of the great resignation. Have you heard of this? Absolutely. No, Wall Street Journal did a great piece on it last week. And um, I mean, we're seeing it. It's my clients around the country. The, the first thing they ask is, hey, show me the opportunities that have the highest yield where I can make the most money with the fewest number of employees. And so, no, I, I've seen firsthand the labor market is a challenge right now. If you're a business owner, at the same time, you see people flocking to become business owners. So it's a unique time yeah. uh, for sure. And I think, again, I think COVID has caused a lot of people who want to take scratch that entrepreneurial itch. I think that combined with millennials, you know, are more prone to, to jump from job to job. So uh, whenever, you know, it can create a challenge, but it can also create a unique opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I can't help but believe if you're one of those people that, you know, um, say working from home has freed up some mind time to, to maybe think further down the road than you normally would going into the office or going into your job every day, you get consumed with that kind of stuff. So um, I think uh, an unintended outcome of work from home has been uh, dream from home <laughs> and start thinking about other opportunities out there. Yeah. And looking around and saying, Hey, you know, I, I don't like being locked down, but at the same time, I do like working remote. And, uh, you know, I'd say the majority of the opportunities and the deals that we're doing right now for clients are opportunities that allow them to work remote where they're not having to go into a physical location. Maybe they're out in the field or, the, uh, you know, working from the home office. So I think that's another piece of it. I've heard you speak to advantages, franchising versus starting a company from scratch. I wonder if you delve into that a little bit further. Yeah. And so, you know, it's that playbook. It's the, the other coach, you know, the coach, the other franchisees. Also, upon that exit, um, there's a school, the Rinker School of Business, that did a study recently looking across um, over 2,000 transactions across a 10-year period across a variety of industries where they looked at non, I'm sorry, non-franchised versus franchised businesses in like kind of industries. They looked at those exits. And what they found was the franchise businesses traded at a multiple typically of one and a half times the non-franchise businesses. So when you're thinking about that resale at the end of the day, there isn't strong appetite in the value is seen in the marketplace for those franchise businesses. In addition, private equity loves franchising. I, I get calls every two or three days from private equity firms looking to invest in franchises 
you know, at the franchisor level primarily. However, in mm-hmm. some cases, they will look to acquire large swath of franchisees. So we're seeing a lot of active deal activity out there. Um, when I think about the cons, you know, it, it could be that, you know, if there are other franchisees, you're somewhat landlocked and limited uh, to the area that you can control or, um, you know, if you're too entrepreneurial and you really want to go outside guardrails and do things your way, franchising may not be for you. And I do have a handful of clients that are too entrepreneurial. Um, really? Most of them say, hey, I love the idea of having to not reinvent the wheel. But there are some that say, hey, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be constrained either. So, um, and obviously, you know, with franchising, you are paying a royalty along the way. You know, it's typically 6 or 7% of revenue back to the franchisor. In theory, that should be providing you, you know, franchisor should be giving you great support for that and innovation and experimenting and, and such. But those are the questions that we always want to ask going in when we're working with brands um, or what kind of support would you provide to our clients? Right. Well, John, outside of food, what are the sectors that you're seeing rise to the top these days? Entrepreneurs on fire. I've joined John Lee Dooms a few times on there and of um, home services and property services. So it could be, you know, a SERPRO type business, you know, water mitigation, mold remediation. It could be um, roofing. It could, I, I recently did a deal for a, a roll-off dumpster business. Um, I did another one with oil changes where, you know, we did a 10-unit deal where it's a new twist on, on what has a very long runway ahead, the oil change industry despite electric vehicles. Um, so people are liking uh, those things to have the macro factors supporting them. So think, um, you know, the, the senior population, you know, the, the silver tsunami of 10,000 people turning 65 every day. What are businesses that cater to them? It could be a health and wellness fitness type concept, or it could be um, a company that provides, you know, builds wheelchair ramps and stair lifts and retrofits the bathroom for mobility purposes. Um, you know, businesses like that, um, I'd say, uh, you know, we're still doing some fitness deals, but largely uh, we, we've, you know, the shift has been a little more towards the services type businesses, even B2B services. You know, we've got payroll firms and expense reduction type firms. I uh, recently did one, uh, there was a property management business where they focus more on the commercial side. I've also got another property management business on the residential side that I've got some uh, clients uh, about to pull the trigger on. Uh, But ultimately, I think a perfect example, I've got a client that's uh, signing a deal this week. He's a former Wall Street attorney based just outside of Boston, and he is buying a gutter business. The numbers (laughs) on this gutter business are through the roof, no pun intended, um, but really, really strong. And here's a guy, zero experience in that industry, but he spent some good time with their team and, um, you know, sees the need in this multi-billion dollar market and said, hey, said, hey let's take a white collar approach to a very blue collar industry that's highly fragmented. Let's go in with that brand, with the technology supporting it. Uh, they've got the call center supporting you on the back end, great marketing teams. You're really able to differentiate and um, in some ways uh, disrupt uh, in a way as well. Wow, that's fascinating because when I think of franchises, I do not think of ring gutters. <laughs> you know, one of the fastest growing ones uh, this past year was insulation. They did over really? 200 location deals, $52 billion industry. Um, again, they have proprietary product. They have the call center, the marketing teams, technology. I mean, I've seen Harvard MBAs buy into the insulation business, which 
they, they're thinking like a business owner, not like yeah. a, uh, they're not going to be out there on the rig, you know, blowing insulation themselves. Right, right. That's so fascinating. I mean, just the world of opportunity that's out there. I, uh, I think uh, that that's just one of my major takeaways from listening to you, John, is uh, non-food side of franchising. Because I think most of us, you know, just we when we think of franchising, we think of we think of food and beverage, basically. I mean, because that's the ones we see most most prevalent. Yeah, and we all love consuming. But when you put your business owner hat on, you know, what I tell clients is that there's a lot of ways to make money. And some are more desirable and some are easier than others. Um, yeah, I've got 5% of my clients that, that love food and, and I'll dabble a little bit in the food space, but I'm very selective on the ones that I show because I do feel it can be a little more trendy of an industry. But about 5% of my clients want food. They're food, they're food folks. 95% want nothing to do with food, which is not my background as well. I've right. been a franchisor at Shelf Cheney. I've been on that side of the fence. Um, then I've been a multi-brand franchisee. Uh, with some business partners where you know we own a, a handful of different brands at the franchisee level. So I've kind of straddled on both sides and uh, I try to bring that to bear as I'm working with clients, um, helping them understand the, the landscape. Well, could you help me understand the financials of a franchise a little better, a little more detail? Yeah, absolutely. So to buy into a franchise, you know, at the end of the day, you've gone through the process, you, you've said, hey, this is the one for me. Uh, you pay a franchise fee. Typically, that's 49000 which seems to be the magic number for the first location or first territory, uh, typically 39 for the next, 29 for the next. And so you do see a lot of times people, people buying multiples. Well, if it's a, uh, let's say a, um, you know, physical location type place, like a Fast Signs or a you know, an oil change, find a key, make a, this type of businesses, you're going to have some heavy equipment cost and build out cost as well. So you may be all in 300,000 to 500,000, let's say. Um, however, if you're buying, you know, the, the insulation business or the gutter business I mentioned, you know, you're all in, it's probably more like 120 to 160. You know, you have the vehicle, maybe some equipment. They typically include the franchise fee and that number, the, the marketing cost, you know, out of the gates, three or three to six months of working capital, um, some miscellaneous expenses go into that estimate of what, how we look at the all-in. So let's just take the uh, insulation business for an example. Uh, franchisees in that system are doing about 500000 in revenue per location. So you're all in investment, you're between 120 and 160, and then you're driving 500,000 on average in revenue. Some are north of that, some are south of that. That's the average. And that's at about a 34% EBITDA margin. So what I would call, you know, after you paid all of your expenses, what are you putting in your pocket? Um, about 34%. So call that, you know, what, 160, 170 uh, bottom line. And again, a lot of franchisees would be buying multiple locations. Um, and so you're able to really start building, building that number up, getting the cash flow going, and then again, sell, be able to sell it uh, upon an exit down the road, uh, sell the business. And uh, so it's really eye-opening to people when they understand that piece of it. Right. It's then the question is, well, how do you fund the business? Obviously, some people self-fund. Some use retirement uh, funds to do that through what's mm -hmm. called a ROBS program, uh, which can be used with your 401k or your IRA. We've got a provider that helps take clients through that. Um, and you're able to get some tax advantages around it or very common path is the SBA loans. Believe it or not, the U S government 
it's hard to believe right now, still yeah. support small businesses in some ways, such as through the SBA loans. Um, you know, you won't get a mortgage rate on that because it is a business loan, but they mm-hmm. are, you know, near historical lows, probably five and a half, six percent. Really? On those loans. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot of advantages of that program as well. You can pay That's back great. early without penalty. And so I have a lot of clients that exercise the SBA option. Great. Um, yeah, that's, I, I wasn't aware that interest rates on SBA loans were that low. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, especially considering what's going on right now with, in, ter- in terms of inflation, that that's could be an attractive option for many, I would think out there. And you, you have a process, don't you, John, where you try and marry people with the right franchise. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, there's about 4,000 franchise brands in the U.S. You know, we've vetted and narrowed those down to around 300 that we that we really partner with and, and represent. Um, and so the way I work with clients is I try to streamline it, make it as easy for them and as, allow them to focus as well as possible. So what we do is, you know, if someone had an interest, I'd say, let's hop on a quick phone call. You know, I'll ask some questions, get to know you. Um, I really can quickly kind of get a sense for what might resonate with you just based on having done this enough. Um, yeah. I know what's working around the U S and so, um, I'll, you collect those data points and then I'll have you fill out a questionnaire. It takes no more than 10 minutes to, to go through things you like, things you don't like financial setup, stuff like that. Um, and then I I'll schedule a call, typically a zoom call where I'll share my screen and we'll walk through you know, five, six, seven opportunities that are available in your area and your market they really fit the criteria and serve as a great match to what we discussed. And so we'll walk through each of those, talk through those businesses. And then I work with you to kind of narrow those down to two or three to actually then have a phone call with where I'll make that introduction. The franchisor will share you know, about the business. You may get off the call and say, hey, that's totally different than how John described it. I don't think that's the right one for me. Or you may say, hey, that, that is interesting. Let's keep talking and you know, we'll schedule a few more calls. So um, it, the franchise order then has their process that you go through. It's a series of different calls where you're looking at you know, defining that territory on the map and going through the FDD and being able to validate talking to other franchise owners. And ultimately, it culminates in what's called a discovery day where you get to meet the whole franchisor's team. You know, it's usually a day, day and a half type process. Um, but I'm holding your hand throughout all that. We're having you know, typically weekly touch bases, even 10 minute touch bases, where I can serve as a sounding board. I can introduce you to uh, funding resources and such. And the great thing is, is there's no cost to my clients uh, to, to work with me. So it's a great model from my perspective. I get paid by the franchisors on the back end for them. Mm-hmm. It's a sales and marketing expense. So none of that gets passed on to my clients. Um, so it really is a great, uh, great setup for me. That's fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, you've carved out a unique niche. I think there's probably more John Austinsons out there, but I'm uh, not aware of them. And uh, <laughs> so you do a good job of getting out and connecting with people. And I think that's probably the key to your success is uh, connect with enough people. Uh, you know, find uh, and uncover those people who are indeed searching, searching for something more, something more uh, under their control. I think this the, that's another outcome of the pandemic is, uh, you know, people have been sometimes their lives have been adjusted without their say so. <laughs> and they uh, they so they're seeking control. And, and I think, you know, kind of the opportunities that you offer offer more control 
over their future. And, and that, that to me is a really big advantage in today's times, yeah. uncertain times. People talk about risk associated with business ownership. Obviously, franchising isn't risk-free, but it does right. de-risk de things a lot. And a lot of my clients wise up to the fact that, hey, if you're working for someone else, that might actually be more risky because you don't have control over decisions that are being made. That's right. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate everything. I want to give you the opportunity to tell people how they can get in touch with you if they have an interest. No, would love to have a chat with anyone that would like to learn more. Uh, you, you can reach out to me really in one of two ways. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I try to provide good content on a regular basis. So uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Come out to our website, frambridgeconsulting.com, which I'm sure will be in the show notes here, the, the link to the website. And uh, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, it comes out once or twice a month. Uh, and again, would love to uh, you know, set up a call as well. Thanks again, John. And uh, congratulations to you and the Atlanta Braves on a championship season. It's been a fun run. I appreciate it, Tony. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye-bye now. <laughs>